0: Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this Podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Tserar, and now let's talk blockchain. So before I introduce our guest today, I have a couple of brief updates for our community. We invite everyone to join us on Twitter Spaces, where we pre-stream each episode the day before it goes public on all major podcast platforms. For the platform list, visit our website, blockchainrecorded.com. This episode is dedicated to the web 3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative and its first virtual summit, which took place between March 1st and March 4th, 2023 in Evelyn's Metaverse, a virtual platform uniting several hundred Web3 leaders and thinkers, over 100 projects and speakers, and over 5,000 attendees from across the world. The purpose of Web3 Stronger Together, with which Blockchain Recorded is a proud media partner, is to demonstrate to the crypto community that the Web3 ecosystem is strong, solidary, active, and committed to furthering innovation, despite the status of the market and nature of price speculations. It emphasizes the importance of fairness, inclusivity, diversity, and sustainability to furthering healthy Web3 fundamentals. The summit included many panel discussions with assigned topics, which Blockchain Recorded is redistributing in audio form. The eighth panel discussion on March 1st covered the topic of gamify and democratization of game development with respect to how blockchain technology can empower indie developers. The speakers were Javier Calderon, the CTO and Chief of Engineering at MetaEngine, David Owen Morris, a crypto OG and co founder of Raptorium, and Pasquale Skyfe, founder of Dapli. The speakers first identify indie developers and evaluate differences between traditional versus Web3 gaming. They further identify adoption as a key challenge, the importance of game experience versus Web3 tech, token unification, quality web wallets, cost and accessibility, the issue of scalability, and other perspectives. The following is the panel's discussion hosted by Laurent Perello, the leader behind the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative. We do apologize for potential audio drops due to choppy internet connections. We edited the recording to the best of our ability.
1: GameFi and the democratization of game uh, development, how blockchain technology can uh, empower uh, indie developers. I'm really glad and excited to welcome Javier, Pasquale, and David who will share with us their background low edge and let's uh, the magic happen Javier can you quickly introduce yourself and uh, as I used to ask to each uh, speakers invited for this web 3 stronger together virtual summit what are you doing in web3 and why the why is really important in the, in, in my
2: uh, point of view So what I'm doing web 3 is me and my team are building out the ultimate metaverse engine. No, yes. meta engine. Right now, we have about 850 games built on top of us with some games you guys might already know about Star Wars Old Republic and Elder Scrolls. And something we're doing right now is actually building a forefront quite a few companies you guys might know on actually how to make them more scalable in terms of actually becoming an MMORPG. Just a bit about what I'm doing so far. Welcome, David. David
3: uh, is, 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 is a legend. I, I, I'm not quite sure I'd go that far, but uh, I'm David Owen Morris. AKA Big Piggy 01. I've been in crypto since, well, 2010, 2009, 2010, Religion. back when we were just a few hundred people in an IRC chat room. And I've been working on, well, different things in Web3, mostly looking at moving. To more secure solutions than what are available at the moment in Solidity. We've just, team and I have just put out a new offering for that. We are running on Raptorium. We're uh, an independent layer one. We are running currently MMO RPG development, which is a slow but major undertaking. Uh, we are also working on NFT integration across well, real life and multiple games. We've got, um, of all things, a smithing community, a rather large blacksmithing community where swords, armor, weapons get made in real life, get laser scanned, get tokenized, and you can then import them into different games with very exclusive stats that come with them. This is interesting and and we will come back uh,
1: to this uh, innovation. Pasquale, welcome. Awesome. Hello. Uh,
4: my name is Busk and I'm with Daply. We actually have a content management service uh, that some gaming companies are using to manage their creator assets, we make it really easy for creators to actually add their assets to games. We also do wallet management for a lot of games and reward management for games, making it super simple, super easy uh, for them to issue different tiers rewards to their user base, also kind of corporate live ops for building out. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, our goal is to reduce the barrier of entry to Web3 and make it easier for communities to be onboarded uh, without having any technical knowledge. So uh, we're helping kind of with that scaling out
1: of right now, we're building up a polygon up any chain. Thank you, and welcome again. Guys, uh, le- let's uh, start our discussion and first, uh, who could explain to our audience what we, we, we call uh, indie developers. But what does it mean? What is your own definition? will want to start.
3: Yeah, I'll take that one. That's okay with you guys? Okay. To me, it means an indiv- independent developer, someone who doesn't have enormous backing from large amounts of venture capital or from existing, well-established game development companies like Blizzard or or similar in the business, depending a little bit on what type of games we're talking about. Because there are, there are very different bars to entry for different types of games. Some of the smaller things like Farmville or Candy Crush, that type of thing, that can be that that's a completely different undertaking from something like an M O RPG. But yeah, that's how I understand it. Thank you. Javier Pasquale, you want
4: to add something? Yeah, I mean I completely agree and I also think, you know, part of what part of what we're trying to achieve development is sourcing creative assets, digital assets for the games, uh, making it easier to bring games to market uh, without as much infrastructure, without much costs. I think definitely reducing kind of that barrier of entry uh, is, is a goal and creating more tools that allow people from, you know, centralized teams to actually come together, collaborate, and build a game. Uh, that's, you know, I think that's a big part of, of what we're trying to
1: achieve. Thank you. What is the you guys in your point of view the main difference between the traditional gaming industry and the Web Three game file gaming industry? How could we explain this uh, to to people uh, outside Web Three? How can they understand and uh, perceive the main uh,
2: difference? Javier, yes? when it comes to to me, like what I normally think of it as between traditional gaming and Web Three, is then Web Three itself. It actually enables people to uh, Say, have more of a control modernization of what assets they create and how the gamified experiences are actually done for every single user and person around versus, say, the traditional web 2. It's more something that is more interlocked with the specific communities of what's occurring in those versions and occurrences. Maybe something a little too techable of what I'm saying, but I think that's what will stick with for now. Pascuali? Uh, yeah, I'll say operability,
4: data operability between different games, ownership in the community. I think web 3 really unlocks the ability for players as well as creators to have ownership in the digital asset that they're building. I think these two things are, especially for us, as we build tools for creators. So Uh,
1: David, it's uh, one of the things you are working on, with, on, with uh, Raptorium, trying to, to bring something uh, new to easily uh, hold your uh, NFT and behind uh, what we can call, so collectible or value uh, more easily. Uh, could, could you explain uh, your why you decided to, to put uh, time, effort, and develop this, and what kind of uh,
3: value you think it will bring? Because th- there are a lot of problems working with EVMs and smart contracts in particular. Uh, Solidity is not really a mature product. Putting NFTs and assets into an immature product Creating potential situations where you see things happening like the DeFi hacks or other situations of similar types where tokens can be burned, where liquidity pools can be emptied, or tokens sent to random addresses through flaws in contracts. It, it's really. Uh, it, it would create an incredible amount of loss for a community that were to back a project in that way. So instead of having a lot of this functionality on the contract layer, we're moving it back into the protocol layer. Having it inside the protocol layer provides the security of the full blockchain, not just how well the smart contract is added. So you come back to a situation where essentially you're doing something similar like trying to attack Bitcoin and the massive proof of work that sits on top of Bitcoin, and it becomes very cost prohibitive to do so. So in the way that adds value is you can guarantee uniqueness of items. You can't just all of a sudden have somebody clone a contract with the content. You can have somebody else issue the same item, but it's very simple. It doesn't have the same unique identifier, so there's no confusion. Confusion isn't there. You've all seen the scam collections on OpenSea and Magic Eden, where they're ripping off one project or another. We want to move it away from that being possible and add value in that sense. And when do you expect to bring this live on the market? (laughs) We have finished code for issuance, we have finished code for transfers, we have, um, well, it, over over the course remainder of this year, we should have this fully live on our mainnet. A few months, possibly, and we should be on the testnet. However, it also fits into our scaling solution, so it's not just the code for the assets themselves we will decouple them from the main chain onto their own side chain that notarizes itself on our main chain. A little bit like how Komodo chose to solve the 51% attack problem. It's
1: really uh, fascinating to, to see, so uh, I choose uh, my word. So genius people are trying to really uh, solve a, a tricky technical okay. problem I assume I'm not a developer, so I, I'm, I'm just totally impressed But what you are doing even uh, with your, your team. It's just mind-blowing. And uh, it's really exciting to see that a lot of uh, people uh, in our industry are trying to deliver long-term technical solution and not trying to go uh, fast on the market, knowing that it's uh, imperfect and uh, unsecure most of the time. So uh, I really do appreciate this uh, this approach. Uh, Thank uh, you. Javier, which advice could you give to uh, builders who want to launch now a a game find uh, project or a gaming project in in Web3? Uh,
2: What is the the main uh, issue or mistake they could uh, escape? See, one main issue is that. People generally just try to hop into the GameFi experience, or just make their own game, with it being solely just built on top of Web3. When traditionally, like most people struggle to even onboard that. Like I've noticed, like even across it, maybe you guys might have seen it too. To where, say, when it comes to building a metaverse experience, game experience, or any kind of like AR, VR, some projects out there will try to make a full-on Web3. When reality, the adoption of it is very difficult. I would even recommend for people to go with web 2.5 is the has been coined just because the fact is a lot of people are still a little bit nervous for blockchain itself and anything web3 and there's some way there's some pretty few methods to be done to where you can actually say integrate single sign-on capability that's tethered to a wallet as well as also just providing more collectible not col- not more collectibles but more ensuring that their assets are actually usable playable within games to where if they actually do create an experience any user involved in any game, like say it could be Sandbox, it could be Upland, it could be even say Star Wars, that, that asset actually does provide the experience that everybody wants to engage with to be a part of that game or any metaverse experience. That's the thing that I do notice where they go full thought on the Web 3 side but don't do much focus on making it a great experience for the user, ultimately that's how you actually build your community and drive that specific experience across anything you do for a game. Even, yes, last night I was actually playing God of War and I was just enjoying the whole experience of that. And then preparing it to say some Web3 games, it's just very basic for someone I've for already seen, even the ones I've already played. It's like if I'm going to be involved in any game, I want to make sure I have a great experience before I even care about the Web3 aspect of it. And I've been involved in this space since 2017. And I feel that would be the same way across the board for anybody who actually wants to be involved in any Web3 game, the experience overall thank yeah, everyone I, I,
4: I completely agree and that's actually something that we you know, our gaming clients that we've been working with we've been leading up in that direction like hey don't put web3 at the forefront of what you're doing focus on that experience focus on live ops focus on users gamers um and kind of have the web3 component as a back end part of what we do is keep management wallet management for users so that all of that is extracted away and we've seen that as a an easier way for people to adopt it. I think now when people hear Web three, there is a bit of a hesitation to kind of trust it and to trust that it's going to provide value. So we've we've kind of helped, you know, we've helped our gaming clients get, you know, abstract all that Web three kind of wallet management away, where they can just have a, a vault, as we call it, out uh, to receive rewards, have that space to receive
1: rewards, but not putting that at the forefront of of development. And what yeah. kind of uh, technical challenge? Great, having this
3: 2.5 approach or web-free abstraction, uh, David? It depends on how the game is run. Wallet Connect, it's more or less the same. Tron Link, MetaMask's Wallet Connect across the rest of the EVM chains. They they present a lot of inherent risks from operating from inside a browser. Uh, Browsers are unfortunately still imperfect software and can't be isolated from the rest of your system in the same way as, for example, a standalone wallet package can. I think we are going to see something come back that hasn't uh, been very popular for quite a few years, the web wallet, because a properly managed web wallet offers direct integration. It can offer a secure, properly manageable API for GameFi developers who want to provide the users with a good experience. The users can then use a secondary login to access their web wallet, withdraw their earnings, or to deposit some additional funds for leveling up or new NFT items, whatever it may be. But uh, the the full-on sort of browser integration, I, I think that's going to go away because it cannot, in the long run, be done securely. Even consensus seem to be coming to realize this with some of the changes they have recently made to MetaMask and how it operates. But um, let, let, let's get back to games. <laughs> Personally, what I'm waiting for is a super meta-meta game where... You can take Web3 assets in the game and farm them in the game and earn some form of meta token to demonstrate how well you've managed to farm these assets in the game. I think something like that would be fantastic for onboarding people onto the broader Web3 sphere. They can first play with it, and then they can gradually take the next steps from there. you read in my mind because I wanted to ask you guys.
1: I'm not a gamer. I used to, to play to ping pong. You you remember or Pac-Man? I'm a bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm a veteran. I assume. And uh, since then, Tetris. I was really addicted to Tetris. For me, it was the best game ever. Dreaming. I was playing uh, Tetris. I often think about uh, you know the the possibility for for a gamer and user to let's say port is reward in another game and that will bring benefit in another game or value in another game how can we imagine a solution that um, unify and the meta game could be something i think do you think it's something um, gaming developer should follow experiments meaning maybe engaging strong cooperation with our game to unify, uh, find a way to unify the value of asset and the portability of uh, assets in game assets. Pasquale, um, are Any idea, David?
3: I mean, unifying how tokens work across games or NFTs work across games is is a very big challenge, per se, because it it will come back to something like needing a single sign-on solution like Metamask, which again reintroduces the risk factors I just mentioned earlier. Uh, I'm, I'm a very strong believer in somebody designing a quality web wallet, the quality web wallet being where the base is taking it sort of into the back end, into the account settings of the game to a certain extent with visual elements a lot more present in the game, rather than um, having it travel easily everywhere. Because something like a web wallet can integrate services like, um, oh, let's say Elk Finance, who run bridging services between, I think, currently all the EVM chains. No, 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 not not just like a couple of them, but
1: literally. No, 21, 21 or 22 uh, blockchain uh,
3: as of today. Literally all of them. So if a web wallet were to have an integration with someone like that, you've all of a sudden got 21 or 20 plus different sets of communities you could theoretically port your items and assets into. You've got much further reach. You've got, um, yeah, the sky's the limit, really. On the other hand, th- there's also a certain amount of value in direct wallet integration, like the web wallet running its own backend with an actual RPC daemon for a more fuller range of services than just what could be done through a wallet like Metamask. Uh, There there is the level of functionality difference between Metamask and Geth is enormous. And for UOTX-based chains, they're suddenly back in the game again because building a proper RPC container for them inside something like a web wallet is very, very easy. They don't need to do the whole server-side integration and global RPC infrastructure like for joining MetaMask, which is a very costly endeavor, to put it mildly. <laughs> yep.
1: Pascal, what is your point of view? I agree.
4: I agree. I think ultimately cost is the big thing, especially when you talk about IP development. There's just not enough solutions available on the market that are low-cost and accessible up to developers fundamentally. I think another challenge that I've have seen is there's actually been some pushback in general of uh, the gaming community from uh, Web3. Anything that touches Web3 fundamentally, we're, we're trying to steer away from. And we're trying to, again, abstract as much as we can away from the user and focus on experience. Because once Web3 gets in the way of experience, it kind of kills the point, especially when you're talking about costs with the ad dev team. So I, I agree. I, I think there's... Please feel free to to, to, to drop some uh, links, uh, helpful projects that might be solving some issues, because that would be helpful.
2: Thank you. Javier? Yeah, on that point, I actually fully agree with both of them. When it comes to building anything Web3, it's more better to just build a Web2 game experience, just standard game experience, metaverse experience, or having, say, anything blockchain or Web3 as an option to be integrated in, because there's already been quite a lot of back backlash with what happened about three months ago with FTX and all the other politics being exposed for what happened to them. This kind of uh, drama
1: is the reason why we are here, guys, all together. Because I wanted, uh, for me, it's absolute necessity to try to federate smart people having a, a long term vision and uh, escaping this, uh, you know, hype based uh, situation. It's just what we have seen, it's just the consequence of uh, the, the greedy attitude of uh, part of our ecosystem. I'm also saying, too, like on on iOS, a lot
4: of pushback with Apple pricing on, you know, having the right channel to monetize assets and to monetize like we call passports, for example. Uh, I think there, there's that regulatory landscape is also very much so changing. I think that is a challenge for developers who want to monetize, especially indie devs, who, for example, are looking for NFT sales to kind of fund some of the initial development that's been kind of a challenge, especially for us, because Apple, within the within the iOS app, they're, you know, they're charged per 33%. And secondary markets is a little bit more unclear um, in terms of how that landscape is going to evolve too. So in terms of quick cash, you know, I think a year ago it was a bit easier to, to finance uh, initial development with NFTs. Now it's becoming a little bit more taboo, uh, a little bit,
1: you know, I think, unclear. So I, we've seen that as a challenge as well yeah i would uh, add a, a word that uh, I need uh, regarding this and and then i i i let you uh share your thoughts frequently say this publicly that i, I think that uh, we misconsider the, the responsibility of vcs web3 vcs crypto vcs in the uh, last uh, drama we have seen and the uh, all co- consequence i remember a few years ago when alameda started to invest massively and the, all VCs is following without any due diligence, without studying the project. I can give a lot of names. I have a list. big list. And, you know, sure, uh, if you have a short term vision, it works a moment. But at the end of the day, most of them are no, uh, mostly <laughs> have no money to invest anymore in a tricky situation with a huge porto- portfolio. With uh, illiquid assets, and I think it's also a, a lesson we should all take. And when you raise funds uh, for your project, also to take care of the VC you you, you on board and being sure that you share the the vision. And uh, if you have a long term vision, uh, be sure that uh, the 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 VC you on board are also long term vision people. <laughs> David, you wanted to say something.
3: Ah, yeah. I mean, more on the pushback, I mean, we've we've even seen some uh, other projects in the space that have gone out and taken people's copyrighted software, stuck it into what they call proof-of-game gaming, wh- which is where they run servers with additional, uh, what do you call it, a little bit of extra api on the servers so um, they can log who's played for how long on the server and did or didn't they bought it and that's also created an awful lot of pushback i know the developers of rust upset with a couple of projects i know that gta contemplating legal action against a couple of projects as well for similar things i mean that's the kind of stigma that really leads to problems, and it leads to trust issues in the industry. Because uh, you can't just go and rip somebody else's work and then resell it as your own. I mean, it's it's a different thing if you're, for example, taking, uh, let's say somebody takes Ultima Online, and if anybody remembers that in here, oh. Okay, Ultima Online is uh, probably the first MMORPG, the first commercially successful and viable MMORPG. It's from 10 or 12 years or something like that before World of Warcraft. It worked very well, but if someone were to take that and do a makeover of it with NFT items offering uh, the gaming studio, a cut of the action. I don't see why you couldn't cooperate with people on that, couldn't rework that, but where in other situations people have just gone out and, hey, this is popular, I'm gonna ride that wave. It's just asking for trouble, because it's not your work. Yeah, but uh, it's, uh, I agree. But, but, uh, But a lot of the gamer
1: kids like the experience. Yeah, one of the main issue I personally uh, see in our industry it's uh, a lack of uh, web uh, history uh, knowledge, uh, you know, and uh, we forget what what it was uh, and oh, uh, which evolution we we have seen, which cycle, and I often say web reads not different, and uh, promoting, supporting, and accepting uh, all these uh, copy paste projects or people who have a uh, uh, you know, no consideration for IP and just deliver something similar to make quick money. I think we should also all um, be more involved to try to prevent this and also uh, protect end user because at the end of the day, it's a trust issue, as you said, uh, David, and it's also engage uh, regulators to be <laughs> even more <laughs> active and uh, radical guys we still ever have- for, for for example one of the projects we're actually
4: working with now they have an ios app puppy what they're trying to do is they're actually trying to monetize creator assets in the game so kick back some of that ad revenue by having an immersive it's kind of like uh it's like a waveform that plays in the back of the game but what it allows them to do is it allows a creator to come in play their music inside of the app um and actually receives the kickback from the ad revenue the, again the challenge to your, to your point about trust though is what how do we audit you know, how those, How do we actually audit how those assets are being used, uh, how do we track specifically when they're being used, how they're being called. And um, Two, how do we verify if we have an open economy, if it's truly decentralized, it's open, how do we verify that these are actually their assets? Um, and that's something that we've, we've hit a challenge with in terms of IP protection. So we don't want people coming in, you know, take copyrighted songs and basically monetize them. Uh, but we haven't really found a solution for protecting that IP component, which has stopped that initiative uh, currently. So
1: this issue over IP has has been a, a challenge. Uh, what what is it really exciting in, in our uh, ecosystem in our industry is that we have very genius people who uh, really take care about solving critical issue we face. Trying to deliver a, a sustainable alternative, and it's really uh, exciting. Uh, and I think that at the end of the day, uh, we will be able to have a cleaner uh, space. At least, uh, it's it's uh, it's my uh, hope. Uh, guys, we just have a few few minutes now. The time uh, run uh, fast. Uh, Javier, last word. Uh, what is your thought, and um, how do you see uh, the the, the game and gaming uh, web free gaming? Uh, evolution in the next few months and next few
2: years. Then the next few months, very broad to say actually, just because I noticed that quite a few bosses already kind of hit a wall and they're trying to discover new ways of actually how to expand themselves to make them more scalable. Because as we all know, within any kind of game fight experience, there's like a set limit of users that can be accessed per server. And it's just a matter of like how we can work together to actually make that happen. And then within the next few years, I would say it's like it's going to be more interconnected, similar to what we've been describing for the past, I'd say, year or so about it all being a metaverse. I'd say the reality of the metaverse might not happen until the next few years. Because that scalability issue, once we solve it, which I feel could be very soon, and there's already a few solutions out there, just a matter of like how long it takes and the collaboration across any project and what kind of standards would be set in terms of, say, defining con- conventions or like how you develop the asset within a game, any kind of experience, something in that nature across spaces as well.
1: I really do uh, uh, share your point of view. And I think that if we change a bit our mindset and your behavior, uh, we we could see a a real acceleration in our uh, industry in terms of uh, user adoption and also uh, institutional and uh, corporate uh, adoption. Uh, Pasquale, your point of view? Yeah, I think as
4: always, just providing value, providing value for the community. That's kind of where I like to always kind of base everything to do around is how do we, whether it's web two, web three, we have to focus on value so that we can get adoption uh, and obviously, you know, tackling, you know, some solutions as uh, scaling solutions to take up to market, adopting them, but not making that the main, the main thing that you do, keep the main thing about the community, keep the main thing about the users,
1: um, I, you know, as long as, as long as, you know, Projects keep doing that, I think we're in good shape. Thank you. And the final, final word to the legend, David. Each uh, time we, we discuss together, for me, it's uh, mind
3: blowing. I learned a lot. Uh, I, I mean, uh, what you guys, both Javier and Pascale, just mentioned, I mean, uh, is exactly what we saw a few years ago in the e learning industry, where people were looking at some form of standard that doesn't s- set limits on the asset but it sets limits and defines a standard for how it's interacted with by a back end there's something called SCORM uh, shareable content object reference model and that can be anything from packages containing video and audio to to basically it's really just an api standard so that people can easily interface with that. And until we have something like that in the industry, it's not going to be that easy. However, a lot of games and GameFi have been developed for EVM. EVM brings risks. It also does bring a lot of portability via different services, so... I'm more curious to see where where this is going, if we're going to leave the EVM space or if we're going to stay in the EVM space with this. Um, personally, I think we're going to see different branches breaking off because some people will prefer security over convenience, but we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. It's exciting. It's one of the main reasons I've been in blockchain for so long. it it, it keeps keeps going keeps going and growing yeah i do agree i I like
1: this permanent experimentation it's chaotic uh, time to time but it's also uh, totally uh, fascinating and uh, inspiring to see so much people trying to to bring deliver a new vision for sure we have uh, some what we call Bad actors, but uh, there is uh, much more smart people, long-term thinking out there than uh, this, uh, this one who make uh, the, the first page on the mainstream uh, media. Thanks again, guys. I-, I learned a lot. It's really also something I, I appreciate uh, discussing with uh, uh, different uh, people. We try. Uh, through this first virtual, virtual uh, summit, where three strongers together to bring different uh, perspective, point of view, personalities from all around the world, showing what is uh, inclusivity and diversity. It's not a marketing uh, speech; it's a reality for us. So, Javier, Pasquale, David, it was the pleasure, and uh, see you soon. Let's keep building together. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank, thank you
3: for having us. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thanks again to our guests and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks also to the Bariam Music team for providing their music. You can check them out on bariammusic.com. All of the supporting information is on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can listen to us on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube, where we are super grateful for your support. Stay tuned for our next episode.